0: This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm joined by David Hughes. Dave, how's things, mate? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Very good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Busy Christmas period upon us. Um, games are all over the place, really. So we're just trying to fit, fit these podcasts in when we can. Um, so t- today we have quite a busy episode. We have to talk briefly about Aston Villa. We're going to talk about briefly again, Champions League draw. Uh, and we're going to look ahead to Newcastle United on Thursday night and Spurs over the weekend. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start with um, with Villa because it, it does feel like it was a while away to be honest even though it kind of wants but one thing I wanted to ask you, you mainly about the match was I think since the game obviously naturally because Steven Gerrard was in charge of the visiting team Gerrard's received I wouldn't say criticism but some people have questioned whether that approach that he took would work at Liverpool type thing and you know, whether it's translatable and things like that. So would you say Gerard was wrong to, to set up in the way that he did with, you know, obviously seeding possession a little bit? Uh, I think there was quite a bit of time wasting going on. Uh, I don't know if that was specific to Gerard or whether that was because the likes of Emmy Martinez is on the pitch, actually young on the pitch. These players know what they're doing. But what, what what's your general stance on, on that sort of thing and how, how an opposing coach can come to field and play and, and come away with, in a positive light. I think it's quite difficult.
0: Yeah, it is. Look, I think um <clears throat> I think what you've got got to obviously think about is um he's he's obviously striving to be a winning coach as opposed to you know being really strict on um you know perhaps a philosophy. Now we, we talked about in the show last week that um he has ide- ideologies he wants to implement um, and he's talked about them already about what he wants uh, Villa to be, you no. Know, I think we talked about it and We said, you know, possession based side, uh, having certain principles. Um, but you've also got to be got to be wise with it. Um, and if you think of a few weeks ago, Arteta's Arsenal coming to Anfield, trying to implement that kind of um, passing out from the back, short, um, building through the phases type of type of football, and got massively punished. You know, it was a uh, bread and butter for Liverpool, really you know, forcing turnovers uh, close to the Arsenal goal, obviously scoring a couple of goals from it. Um, and it was almost, you know, a, a little bit suicidal. And I think it would have been the same situation for Aston Villa had they tried to implement something similar. So I think, uh, to answer your question, uh, he's probably looked at it and thought he's going to have to veer away a little bit from his, uh, from the, the, the way he wants Aston Villa to play, the type of team he want to be. Um, with the view of trying to get a result. And, okay, they wrote the look a little bit. Uh, underlying numbers, paint deserve deserving winners. Uh, but it was still only 1-0 on the day. And had Villa been able to create something, maybe from a set piece and nick a goal, then he could have come away with a, a valuable point. So, I guess, to answer your question, Josh, the priority was to get a positive result. And, and he, he obviously thought setting up in that way would deliver it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do, I do think, from a Liverpool perspective, it's, it's not one we should analysed too much in terms of Gerrard. You know, even, even around the game, everything Gerrard was saying, everything he was doing was getting micro-analysed. Uh, and it doesn't really have to, I think, especially considering he's only been in charge for a, about a month, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, to be in charge for a month and then to come to one field and play in an attacking manner, you know, expansive football or whatever, I think it's difficult. Um, and I don't think they were, they were totally you know, defensive per se, if you want to use that word, I think uh, they they tried to pose a bit of a threat, but I just think Liverpool notified them a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at the numbers behind the game, 63% possession for Liverpool alongside 20 shots and an expected goals of 2.5. I will say, some of that 2.5 is a penalty, so it's not as high as that in reality, but um, still enough to, to secure a win. Whereas Villa... Uh, 37% possession 5 shots, none of them on target and I'd expect goals of just 0.3 I do think we said before the game last week when we were previewing it I don't think, I I, I couldn't see Villa scoring, I, I just didn't think they would find anything against Liverpool and my, my thing was can Liverpool break them down and although Liverpool generated a fair few opportunities to score there Um, the the they still needed a penalty to get to get through, ultimately. So I do think we... I mean, I don't want to blow out on somebody here, Dave, but I do think we painted Villa as, as, as the right type of opponent in terms of being difficult to break down. And I do think moving forward, I think they'll be a tough team to beat. I really mm-hmm. do. I'm interested to see where they finish because there's plenty of the season left. And as it stands right now, pretty sure they are... Yeah, they're only six points off fourth, mate. <laughs> so yeah. you
0: never know. I, I wouldn't expect. and I mean, I know you said that tongue in cheek. I wouldn't expect them to be Champions League, but no. You do look since Villa's sorry since Gerrard's come in. They've they've only lost two games, won the other four, and that was against City and Liverpool. You know the two best sides in the division, and certainly scoreline wise, they were tight games. You know they were they were tight at two um, one against City and obviously one 0 against Liverpool. So. I mean, it it has been a really good impact he's had at the club, uh, and considering there's been a few new managers going in up and down the country, you'd probably say he's, he's had the best impact over over the you know the past two months or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, just generally looking, I it was a team on a day, I I was, I was still quite impressed. I thought he he looked like a, a very well drilled team. He said when he got the job that he was going to focus on the defence primarily at the start because that was where they were leaking goals. That was where the issues were coming. I think it was clear based on the game that the defence is what he's worked on, and not the attack. I think the attack is still finding finding feet, but I think generally going away from the game, I've got no major concerns about Gerard being like a defensive coach and like that. I thought he put in a game plan. I thought they were fairly well organised. They applied themselves. Um. And as I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna be interested to, f- to follow his team and see how he does. But I think Liverpool, yeah, deserve winners. Um, yeah. I don't think we'll dwell on it for too much longer because, as I said, games are coming thick and fast. And shortly after the Villa game, I think it was after uh, the Champions League draw got conducted, Liverpool drew Salzburg, and then <laughs> the Champions League draw got conducted again.
0: <laughs> uh, unbelievable, was- to be honest. If you did it out of ten, how would you how would you uh, value those two draws? Salzburg first, and then to the Inter Milan. I think not even just Salzburg, but who everybody else got as well.
1: I thought it was a, it was a good draw all round. Bayern got Atletico, which I thought was great for us. Uh, United obviously got PSG, I think, which I thought was was decent for us and things like that. Um, so when it got flipped and it went the other way, Liverpool obviously get Inter Milan, a better opponent, and. Chelsea stick with Lille, um, I think Bayern get Benfica or someone like that, Sporting or someone who I think they got. Mm. So yeah, it was definitely a negative flip, I think initially when Liverpool were in the first throw that, that happened, I think Liverpool probably gave it about, about an 8 or a 9 really, but then when it comes to wins in Milan, I think it drops down so about to about a 5, but mm. still within, relatively speaking, I still expect Liverpool to, to dominate the tie.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd probably agree. I did have a look at Inter Milan earlier, and I mean to be fair, you know the the top of top of city at the moment, um, a point over AC Milan, and you know both both metrics that we kind of pay attention to just to get a, a basic overview of a team. You know, leading the way in terms of xG, um, there's three sides with a better xG against, but you know xG goal difference, the the, the comfortably the best side and. Um, you know, they do look a good outfit. It's just the problem is you, you in and no disrespect, of course, t- to that division, but you do consider that you look at the levels that uh Manchester City, Liverpool are operating at, even Chelsea, although they've had a little bit of a wobble recently, but you look at the levels they're operating at and compare that to say City are, Um, and I think there's a there is a bit of a gulf in in quality there at the moment. Uh for example, I couldn't imagine um uh, Ed Hazard still being like a Premier League striker, if that makes sense. But obviously he's he's been quite an important player for the Inter this year.
1: Yeah, well, I was going to say though, those who haven't kept track of Inter for a while, obviously the the one Serie a last season, uh, finally broke the Juventus stranglehold on the league, really, under Antonio Conte. But in the summer, they kind of went through a bit of upheaval. Obviously Lukaku was sold, Hikimi was sold, and on the back of those sales, Conte wasn't happy, so Conte left as well. But they've appointed Simeone and Zaghi to replace Conte, and he has, sensibly in my opinion, just kept everything the same. He's kept the exact system that Conte established, kept the system that won the league, with that being uh, 3 three-five-two, and they just replaced Lukaku with Jeho, and they replaced Hakimi with i think they replaced him with Matteo damian uh who used to be in united obviously
0: yeah i think they did yeah
1: yeah um so i think so far this season i think they're still benefiting from that strength that they showed last season and i think that can generally happen i always go back to everton dave and i remember when do we have to <laughs> i remember when it uh, this is a positive actually i remember when um roberto martin has got the job and I feel like his first season, he massively benefited from having the backbone of what Moyes mm-hmm. had instilled for the previous like five years or whatever, it, or whatever that was. So I feel like for a year, Everton got got kind of like a mix of Martinez and Moyes football. And I think you could argue both of those strengths and weaknesses. The kind of the complement, well, each other, Martinez and Moyes. I think.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it was, a, it was it was almost a hybrid kind of football that made Everton really. Dangerous, you know that that year that uh, the same year as Liverpool nearly won the league, wasn't yeah. it? The year uh, thirteen fourteen. But you know, Everton were really good that year, and I think every, any other year in the Premier League, they uh, they would have qualified for the Champions League with the points tally. But um obviously, that season the top sides are really good, and I think they fell short by about four or five points in the end. But yeah, you're spot on. I think it's actually a really good comparison. um It'll just be interesting, won't it, to see in the uh in the coming seasons, if similar to what happened at Everton when Nzagi starts maybe putting a little bit more of his uh print on the on the side, if, if then that leads to a little bit of a decline. Analysing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Yeah, well, I also think you can throw Newcastle in there. I think when, when Benitez left, Steve Brief came in. And I think Steve Bruce just kept everything the same. Maybe added a bit more attack and freedom on the, on the shoulders of, like, St. Maximilian and players like that. And I think, you know, people seeing graphs everywhere, um, stats everywhere, saying, like, Steve Bruce has got more points than Rafa over these games or whatever. But I think, again, Bruce has, I think, benefited, benefited from what Rafa put in as a coach. Obviously, Newcastle have fallen off a little bit now. Um, but I think if you look at Inter, they do still look like the strongest team in Italy. And that seems to stem from what Conte instilled last season. Um, Scored the most goals in Serie A this season as well and conceded the second fewest. And if you look at their season so far, in all competitions, they've lost three times. Um, Two of those against Real Madrid in the Champions League groups and the other one against Lazio. So I don't think it will be, by any means, an an easy fixture. You know, these these have got... They've got good players. You know, Le L- L- Martinez, I think, is their top scorer this season. They have Nico Pereira in the middle of the park. Um, Geico is obviously a capable player and I suppose is somewhat similar in the skill set to Lukaku. So I think that's a reasonable replacement short term, at least. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how both teams look when it gets closer to the tie. But I think it's, it's probably up there with the toughest Liverpool, Liverpool could have got to be honest because we couldn't get Atletico. And I suppose the other toughest would have be, been PSG, but then if we got PSG, I think we'd be sat here now talking about how they've got three passengers up front. Mm, um, yeah, and I don't think Inter have that.
0: I think, yeah, one thing I would, I would flag, uh, positive from a Liverpool point of view, is that, um, I'm just having a look at their Champions League uh, results this season, um, and he played. Uh, Sharif, uh, Shakhtar, the next, uh, and Real Madrid. And they were, obviously, they won the, the other two games, but the, the two fixtures, home and away, against uh, Real Madrid, they lost. And if you kind of look at that, okay, it's a, it's going to be a different uh, environment because we're talking group stage compared to knockout phase. But if you can kind of compare that Real Madrid side to this Liverpool team, um, I think this Liverpool team is better. So if they if Madrid have won home and away against them, that kind of um, I think gives a good feeling from a Liverpool point of view. That they should be able to do similar. Yeah, I also think
1: it kind of benefits Liverpool to, to come up against a team where you you absolutely know how they're going to play and you know what system they're going to use. The the virtually guarantee it's use three five two. I think Liverpool can get in a position where they kind of pin them back, um, to the extent that you know the the, the front two are kind of the only way out. In a way, um, and obviously Liverpool have just dominated AC Milan comfortably with a with a B team. I think Inter are stronger, but I don't. I, I think Liverpool's intensity, just the intensity of English football, but particularly Klopp. I just think, in comparison to Italy at the moment, I always think Italian football looks really, really slow compared to English football lately. Mm. Um, and if you look at the you know Inter Milan's pressing numbers and things like that, they're not like particularly a pressing team. PPDA is kind of I think they're the ninth in the league for PPDA passes per defensive action. And I think in terms of pressing, you know, just attacking third pressures, middle third pressures, defensive third pressures, again, no way I need to stop in any of them. So I think they just, they're a good tactical side and they've got, they've got decent individuals and things like that, but I would still put Liverpool as favourites. Um, I'm not particularly, uh, you know, concerned or anything like that. Um yeah, I'm not sure you've got any 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 more to add on similar. No,
0: I mean that's literally how I feel about it. I think it's uh, it could have definitely been better. I thought the Salzburg draw was really good for Liverpool, uh, kind of ideal. And that what again, not to disrespect Salzburg. Um, you know, we've talked about them many times quite glowingly. Uh, but I think it's it's shown in the past when Liverpool have come up against Salzburg, Leipzig, you know, those kind of sides that they tend to have too much for them. So I thought that was a good draw. Inter makes it a little bit m- more difficult, but I again I'm not sure if it's just a reputation thing. You know, Inter is obviously a, a big club on your Euro- in Europe, so on paper, this looks like a battle between two massive clubs. But if you're kind of looking at the 11s of both, uh, the situation both are in, uh, you'd have to you'd have to say, uh, Liverpool are favorites. I uh, wouldn't surprise with me if they progressed, um, with wins home and away as well. but
1: you know, maybe yeah. the land will look a little bit different in February. Yeah, I don't think we want to go too too easy on it. You know, I'm just saying that Liverpool are going to find it easy and like that. But I, I wouldn't rule out two wins myself. I do, I do think it's possible. Um, obviously Liverpool swept aside the whole of their group, and we had a relatively tricky group, I think. Uh, so yeah, we'll move on anyway. We'll move on to Thursday's game against Newcastle, which is quite close. Actually, we we're recording on around Wednesday lunchtime. At the minute. But the return of Eddie Howmate, Klopp's favourite opponent, really. Because he's a bit of a whipping boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah just, well, he just did he never seems to get a sniff to be honest. And then on yeah. the back of not getting a sniff, he seems to come and buy Liverpool's Deadboard.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's a welcome addition. And you can probably see that happen a lot again now at Newcastle, can't you? Uh with I've the ball. Yeah. So yeah you know he's a favorite opponent of Klopp's, and you know so far he's been a favorite opponent of of everyone that newcastle face to I me mean, he's come in and hasn't really changed that much positively you know the the uh, newcastle picked up one win i think under him uh but that's it really and there's been defeats to arsenal draws against norwich uh got hammered on the weekend against leicester 4-0 um So, he hasn't really... We were talking about the impact managers have had at at clubs. You look at Gerard, for example, at Villa, really positive. Howe hasn't really had that as of yet. Uh, And albeit he's coming into a much tougher environment. You know, Newcastle do look poor. uh, But you would have liked to think that uh, with the takeover and with the new manager, they'd be a, a little bit more of a daunting prospect. I think we would have thought they would have been if we were previewing this a month ago. But you look at it now and you think... Yeah, you know, Liverpool should have a fairly routine evening.
1: Yeah, I think out of all the games all season, this feels like the most likely to, to result in a win. I am extremely confident about this one. Um, Not just because of Teddy Howe, and I think, you know, Klopp's record against Howe over the years when he was at Bournemouth was just perfect, really. Apart from that, <laughs> the, the mad match with uh, and goal. And, I think I finished 4-3 to, to Bournemouth, I think, actually, a week from uh, home. But...
0: Was that Nathan Ache scored?
1: Yeah, Nathan yeah. Ache scored, yeah. A few other randomers scored as well, mad goals yeah, and things. But... Yeah.
0: Liverpool had three in the lead, I think, in that game. Yeah, I remember it being just absolute bizarre, bizarre set of circumstances. And not seen since, ironically. <laughs> yeah. Um, but,
1: yeah, Newcastle's, Newcastle results have not been great this season. So far, throughout the whole of the campaign, Um, they've won once in all competitions and that was against Burnley and it was a 1-0 win um, and since how took charge as just said I think I think his first game was Brentford so if it was Brentford I'm looking at the numbers now uh, to be fair he probably deserved the win against Brentford he posted mm. double the expected goals that Brentford posted but then he got hammered by Arsenal by the looks of it flip of a coin against Norwich probably just edged it against Burnley and then he got hammered again by Leicester, but I think two things I would note there, mate, is against Arsenal, they conceded the next year of two, and against Leicester, they conceded the next year of 2.5. Arguably the only two decent sides they've faced so far. Now, when it comes to facing Liverpool, in my opinion, probably the best attack in Europe, if not that, definitely the second best. It's it, it could be a career
0: yeah, yeah, that's it, you know. <clears throat> I, um... Had a really quick looker, um, you know, just like they, they expect the points of the season, comfortably the worst side in the division based on them. Um, and yet you think if, if they had two real tests so far, Leicester, Arsenal and both of them are not on the same level as Liverpool. Um, Liverpool obviously highly motivated because cool. they needed to keep winning. Uh, City have already won, which puts the pressure on a little bit. that they need And... Do you think, by the way, uh, before I continue, that the fact City scored seven goals does kind of come in play on Liverpool's mind a little bit because the deficit in terms of the goal difference has gone from ten to to three? Uh, so they're probably looking at it thinking not only do we beat Newcastle, but we 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 should really hammer them because it, it could be a little bit of a a good opportunity to open that gap again. Um, and we know when City and Liverpool tend to go at it like they are this season, uh, the finest margins might decide it. Yeah, I, I do always
1: wonder, you know, to be honest, whether whether that t- sort of thing does play on the minds of of managers. Um, I assume it does later in the season and things like that. But I always wonder if, at this early stage, not even really halfway in yet, whether managers are thinking about giving the goals a boost and just just scoring as many as possible, getting the best goal difference and things like that. I would be interested to speak to you know someone in the game, a coach, a manager, or whatever. I mean, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they'll deny it. Like to be honest, they'll probably just yeah. say. Three punks is the, is the key, isn't it? But I, know, I know what you're saying, especially when it comes to having a bit of a triple threat for the title. It could come down to it, and so far, they will have the best goal difference. And, you know, that could that that could take a significant boost against Newcastle. I'm just looking at what they've been doing lately. So, in Hano's first game, they stuck with a 3-4-3. Um, and I think that was probably because that's the system that Brentford pretty much play. So... Howes probably chose to match them there? But since he's moved to a four-four two in every game, and I'm just looking at their four four two, Dave, right? Yeah. And it, it on paper at least it looks so open. Like l- listen to this, this is a midfield four, right? Midfield bank of four. Miguel Armor on the flanks with Saint Maxima. And a midfield two in the middle of Joe Willich and John Joe Shelby both of whom I would not put in... Pff, no, I'd put Joe Willis as an A for the start because I think he's yeah. very attack-minded. And John Joe Shelby, we know. Every, everyone is well aware of, I suppose, the...
0: Inefficiency.
1: The yeah, I, suppose, he's a bit, I think he's a bit of a passenger defensively, to be honest. I think you have to carry him a little bit. I mm. think if you're going to put Shelby in the midfield too, you have to put him alongside someone like a can to be honest. Yeah. Um, so... Looking at that as a midfield four,
0: and Willich isn't thats is he? Let's be honest.
1: No, no, he's not. Don't don't get me wrong. Willich's a good player, but yeah, I like him. Yeah, I wouldn't have him as but as his partner. I don't think. And then yeah, he, he's someone gone.
0: you value more on the ball than off it, not he?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think if you if you look behind those players, they've got a mid uh, a defensive four of Harvey Manquillo, uh, Fabian Shah. Jamal Sells and Jamal Lewis. Mm. So, and you've got Callum Wilson and Joe Linton up front. Apparently, Joe Linton's been doing alright, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's one thing. Uh, I haven't watched a ton of Newcastle, but what I have seen uh, and what I've read, uh, he he seems to be doing a lot better. You know, he seems to be putting himself about a little bit. I think he's got one or two goals as well. So maybe he's a little bit more of a a problem than he would have been uh, a couple of months ago. And Wilson's always dangerous, isn't he? To be fair, Josh, he's you know he, he he tends to be a player who scores off very few chances.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, uh, looking at that team, did I suppose you do have individuals that generally can be a little bit tricky to cope with? I think Saint Maximan, obviously is nuts <laughs> as a player; he's incredibly difficult to predict. Yeah, um, and then you've got Almeron, who can cover ground quite quick, decent on the break, I suppose, and then you've got again. Callum Wilson, who's probably the major threat. I think last time we we faced Newcastle, he was probably the major threat. I think he scored, or if he didn't, if he didn't score, the goal that he found, that he did score was ruled out. Uh, I think late in the game. Mm. Uh, I think that might have been like a two-all draw or something around field.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I remember the one. That was a painful got, one. Yeah, yeah, it got ruled out, but then he scored again, didn't he? Something like thirty seconds later. Yeah, it was at Wilson again, was it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure, it was, yeah. Yeah, well, way, it, was just, it was it was. I'm sure that was in the mix of that kind of just run where everybody was taking points off the pool at
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at their attack so far this season for shots, they're a little bit below mid table, um, and in terms of expected goals, they are well the nineteenth, <laughs> the nineteenth for expected goals. So generally an okay number of shots, but then when it comes to the the likelihood of those shots finding the net, you know, the the clear cut nature of those shots. They're obviously not the best shots that, that they're taking, quite far out and things like that, not good locations and stuff. And on the defensive side of the game, they have faced the f- fifth most. Um, but in terms of expected goals, yeah, the fourth most, I think, or well, fifth most again, actually. Mm. So I think they look, look a bit of a team that are finding the feet a little bit all over the place at the minute. And I wouldn't be surprised if Howe's putting this 4 in place knowing the flaws of it with a view to, in January, boosting that four four two by maybe taking, like, Shard out and bringing in Tarkowski or, you know, just mm. generally making the four four two a bit stronger in January and, and suffering from the downfalls in the meantime.
0: I am. Mean, I, it will be interesting to see if they actually buy in January. Um...
1: I mean there's a few at Liverpool to be fair,
0: they can have. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Who, who would you actually who, who would you think would go to Newcastle? But the catch is it has to be realistic. You can't just be use it. You can't just say names that you want to get rid of. Who could you actually at, be like? At Liverpool at that? Liverpool, you mean or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um
1: I think Phillips could go there. Yeah. Because I think he's generally suited to uh a bit of a relegation scrap, but I think he can also play and he's decent mm-hmm. in the air and he's obviously learned, his, I hate saying this, like, but learned his trade type thing at, at Liverpool under Klopp for the past couple of seasons. So yeah. that's not done on many arm. Um, so I think Phillips could be a decent one for them. Mm. But I, I think when it comes to like someone a bit further forward, I don't think they need an Anarighi really, do they? I mean, maybe they do, I don't know. No, who's, no, who, no. you got
0: behind Wilson? Yeah. Well, they got Joe Linton, Wilson. Uh maybe St. Maximum goes there. You could put Tomorrow there as well. Dwight Gale. But I don't know, you know, I feel like that could be the type of transfer that would get them excited, bringing in a riggy. Analysing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, well,
1: maybe so. I mean I was... always scores and just
0: keeps himself relevant, doesn't
1: he? Yeah, and I suppose they are playing the front two, to be fair to him. Um, which just offers another space for the striker.
0: Um, would you be happy to see Aregi go January Newcastle? Um, that, that's the big goodbye. <laughs> just uh, well, to be honest, it, it, it would <laughs> it
1: would be one that you'd probably have to think about purely because of Afcon, really. Because if if uh, Salah and Mane are going away, even if it's only for two games, who plays in their place? And I w- I would have thought it Pro- would probably take one of the slots. Have you so, seen
0: all that? It's getting postponed.
1: Yeah, and I've I've heard rumours and yeah. that, but I'm not gonna uh, not I'm not gonna jump on that until I see something something like yeah. this.
0: Yeah. Why do you, do you who would you pick up then? Uh, probably the same two. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think I'd let you know anyone. Do,
1: do you me. think there'd be good moves for Newcastle then though? Like if, if you... yeah,
0: I do. I actually do. I think uh, I think Phillips has proven that he's a he's a good defender. Uh, I think he'd really suit maybe. You know, less of a dominant side, less of a where you expect expected to play so high up the pitch. Uh, yeah. Maybe he'd shoot a, a little bit deeper. The play all in front of him. Uh, you know where he's winning a lot of duels in the air and on the floor. I think that would suit him really well. I think he's good at that. I, I think Philip Phillips is a good defender. He's just maybe not the right profile to be a huge success at Liverpool, even though he done quite well when he come in. Uh, and then a yeah, because. I know he's a bit of a strange one, isn't he? That he still scores big goals. Uh, I feel like it's just maybe time he can go. You know, he spent a lot of his career now, if you think about it, as a super sub. You know, and he surely he must have that ambition, even though he, he obviously loves Liverpool, to to go he's, and play regular football. He's, he's still only 26 as well. You know, still
1: a decent age. That's kind of like prime years, really, when you, when you look yeah. at it. Uh, Do you
0: think he should go and play regular football?
1: Yeah, I think well, I think he's definitely Premier League standard, and I don't yeah. think he's. Uh, I think he's probably mid-table and upwards Premier League standard as well. I don't think he's like yeah. the type of player who'd have to go and play for like a not sure. Uh, you know, it team they're going to be scrapping for the lives. I know Newcastle are at the minute, but surely the future ambition is that that's not going to be the case. Um, but just just looking at the Liverpool squad, there, mate. One player I do think is just total Eddie Howe is Nico Williams. I think that'd be an interesting one because he's obviously not going to get much of a look in at Liverpool, really, as he considering the strength no. as the team's right back, and then ahead of strength, I know Nico's played a little bit further forward at times, if he played a bit further forward, Salah's playing there, so I think if you look at Nico Williams, he, he generally performs well for this country, I think he's a decent, he's an alright player, he's got a decent prospect and things, still only 20 years old, um, and Newcastle have currently got Javi Manquilo as their right back, so I don't know, I, I, I doubt it, but I wouldn't rule it out purely because of the players that Howe bought for Bournemouth. Yeah, you know I think Brad Smith was a player that we bought. Uh, is is a, I suppose you could put them in similar category in terms of uh, fullbacks at Liverpool. Why getting much
0: game time? Yeah, is mm-hmm. um, is one just because this always comes up. Uh, the same two players when you play Wolves, Terry ter- comes up. Uh, when you play Newcastle, St. Maximum comes up. So I just feel like we should probably address that one uh, now. You know, if it's all about potential transfers, uh, potentially Liverpool say maximum. Um, I, I think wouldn't. we've done it before, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I do think
1: he's tricky though. I do think he's amazing to watch and things like that. But I just, I don't think he's for for one of them right, wide roles at Liverpool. You just need to be goal obsessed, I think, and. Um, if you if you dribble a third of the amount that Saint Maximum does, that's fine, as long as you have and just a natural desire to score goals. And I think Saint Maximum is not that much of a scorer. I think he's got goals to his game, and I think he's got creation to his game as well. Quite a two way player, but mm-hmm. um, I still don't think I don't think I go there. And look at his contract, makes His contract runs out in twenty twenty six, so he's He's got another... Th- this summer, he'll have
0: another four years remaining. Mm. Um, so I can't personally see it happen well with yourself. Yeah, same. I actually do... I think he's a, he's, a, he's a player who's, you know, bums off seats. He's he's just so... Um, how can I put this? Bit of a maverick, isn't he? You know, he's yeah, kind he is, of... He, 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 he could easily dribble as well to, like, um, being surrounded by four defenders. Problem is, there just isn't always that end product and, um, you know... Liverpool can kind of be in a position where they can he could ask for a player like that but have the efficiency at the end to go with it. I just don't think he's really got that. Um, I think he's quite hard to pigeonhole. I think he just has to be able to just run around and, and, and do what he wants a little bit. And uh, again, Liverpool couldn't really afford to do that. So, yeah, you know, before the people kind of ask about it, I think he's an exciting player, but just maybe not a Liverpool player.
1: Yeah, I think he's perfectly suited to a team... A bit lower than the division that are gonna to want to counter attack into space because I think he generally does suit that sort of game. Um, he's actually top of the league at the minute for for dribbles. He's he's completed ten more than the Dharma. but mm. he has played about five nineties more. <laughs> so that a will probably top that soon before too long, as soon as he gets more minutes and things like that. Yeah, but he's. I, th- I think it's it, probably right in saying he's the. Uh, him and Wilson are probably the two main threats.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I'd I'd agree because he can still produce.
1: He, he I was going to say ball. I
0: don't think they have a much much of a set piece threat anymore. To be honest, I think they used to. Well, you could maybe try and put Shelby in that mould, couldn't you? Um, but I wouldn't say, and I wouldn't say he's a he's a major threat. Um, the thing he can't do, he can just strike a ball, can't he? Uh I mean, I'd love to know what his conversion rate actually was like in terms of, you know, kind of shots from distance and things, because these things tend to live on reputation and reality, not very good. Uh, you know, quite low. But if you if you score one or two worldies, then um then it tends to stay with you. So he he could he could maybe produce one of them. I think I'm sure he's always motivated when he plays at Liverpool. Uh but they're the they're the, the main threats for me.
1: Just looking at Shelby shots there, mate. Actually, on the back of what you just said. Oh, he's yeah. uh, so since twenty fourteen he's took two hundred and twenty-nine shots from outside the box. Oof. Which is not good. <laughs> yeah. Um how many six, goals? <laughs> six goals. Yeah, um, so what,
0: what was that? What's the uh what let's work out that conversion rate?
1: Yeah, I was gonna do that then. Go on, we're doing two through nine divided by six. Um so he's, he's scoring every 38 shots. To be fair, that's not... That's... I was
0: about to say, you know, egg on face a little bit there. That's yeah, not, yeah, that's, that that's not that bad.
1: bad. <laughs> I mean, goals from distance usually get an xG year, like 0.1, 0.2. And obviously that's because they, they, they generally scored like two in every 100 attempts, something like that, Um, depending on how just how far out they actually are. So for Shelby to be scoring every 38 shots, not that bad, that.
0: Let's hope he hasn't just had a uh, thirty-seven long shot, and he's coming come up to his thirty-eight day. Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, we'll do verdict on this one. then? Uh, yeah. Just look. Despite a bit of a laughing joke there, I I, I can't not see Liverpool winning this one quite comfortably. Uh, so I'm gonna go with a. Uh, I'll go with a four-nil.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say 4 0 as well. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To be, do you know what? I've just worked out. That 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 conversion there, and if, although I've just said he scores every thirty-eight shots, that still equates to a two percent conversion, about just slightly closer to a three percent actually. Um, it's, it's about two point two point six or something like that percent conversion. But I suppose Danny is a little bit closer to to normal, to average, slightly better, I think, still, but right. okay. um, not not too much better. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I will go with four on myself. Um, I think it should be a comfortable one. I'll, I think I'm more concerned about Liverpool conceding than Liverpool not scoring three. <laughs> mm. um, funny enough, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if any, any players get rested for this because it's around this time every season that Salah usually gets a rest. Um, hopefully not, but you know we'll see. Mm. Um, so we'll round up by by speaking about Spurs then, uh, a much bigger game. Uh, Anthony Conte now in charge, generally improving things. Even yeah. though he's admitted that he's a, it's a big bigger job than he thought.
0: Yeah. I, what was interesting? I know. I, admittedly, I'm, I'm I'm not looking at um Europa League stuff, but in my head, I'd kind of uh not really seen him having that much of a big impact at the club. Yeah. You know, I watched them against Everton. I uh, thought they were really poor in that day. On that day, sorry, and albeit that was uh, his first game, first Premier League game anyway in charge, but. Uh, I've just had a look now when they've they drew that game at Goodison, beat Leeds, beat Tottenham, beat Norwich, uh, and they've only conceded one goal across those four matches. So, you know, admittedly, the, the kind of games you'd expect them to get positive results in, but even so, um, I was quite surprised. Now, he's had he's shown that he's having a fairly decent impact. I guess the thing that comes into it though, Josh, that kind of uh, or their Potential factor that influences things is uh, is obviously you know the COVID stuff. Will will that affect his team selection and stuff?
1: Yeah, well, obviously they had, they had a recent game postponed. I think it was was a Burnley. Um, mm. So I mean, I, I think they've had reasonable times to prepare. Obviously, they've got a, a game
0: before that, though. I think have they? Have they got a game before that? Um, week No, so the so the next game they've got is what was. No, no, sorry. There's Leicester. I thought he did. They got Leicester away, right? That's yeah, okay. on the uh, tomorrow.
1: No, I think I, I think I generally agree with you. I think the um, you, you would think that they haven't really improved that much because it's because of this maybe the start that they had. And he Conte was coming out saying this is going to be this is going to be yeah. tricky type thing. But I do think they're moving in like that. And the numbers seem to be improving a little bit. And I think Conte's system just it's just a results machine a little bit when it once it gets going. I've been a little bit surprised at the way he's used his squad a little bit, specifically the midfield, too, of of Hojbjerg and, and Oliver Skip. You know, considering you've got Tangay and Dombele in there, and even yeah, I suppose even Harry Winks, you know, even Harry Winks is probably a bit more of a, well, I thought a bit more of a progressive player than Skip, but he seems to be favouring Skip more, a lot yeah. more than I expected. Well,
0: um, what I would say on that side is, go, but just with your talk, him. I do feel like those in our circle, you know, maybe ones that we follow on social media or, you know, talk and write about the same things, uh, seem to speak really highly of Skip, um, which makes me think that the more you're watching, the the more you see his his, his benefits. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm judging too much based on his his long movement knowledge, but um, I always thought he was a tiny bit lightweight, but maybe he's one of them players who applies himself and maybe I'll have to watch him a little bit more, but I think what I'm getting at though is the way he's used uh, 3 three-four-three. 3 I just maybe looked at the squad before he came in and thought he'd go with the same system for, for Inter in terms of uh, a three-five-two. I thought he'd put Son and Kane up front and I thought he'd go with kind of a midfield three rather than a two and mm. in that midfield three would be Hojbjerg, and um, I thought it was in wanted to have one of, the splot, one of the slots. And, you know, another another player, whether that be Deli Alley or Harry Winks or, you know, Skip or, or whatever. Lasalso's the in there as well. But no, he's went with four three three. But I think it's going to be interesting, actually, because we've just been speaking about things in Milan before. I know it's a different system 3 4 5 2. But Avinte are still playing very much in the way that Conte established last season. This this could be a bit of a trial run, maybe, of of how Liverpool are gonna cope when they come up against Inter Milan in a few months.
0: Yeah, it's not a bad shows actually. Um, obviously not both carbon copies at that present. Um, adjusted a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's not a bad shows. I think it'll be interesting to see um how they do kind of deal with that. I mean, I'm inclined to think it they, they should be okay. Um, but. It it, it, w- it will be interesting and just quickly, one thing I wanted to ask you, you mentioned N- Ndombele there. Are you a little bit surprised on him that he hasn't really played more or just in general hasn't really kind of cemented the place for Tottenham since he r- arrived? Because obviously he was a player that was you know quite, quite exciting. It felt like quite a, a coup that they got him, quite a coup. Manfield
1: on the Blood Red Channel. Well, I, I remember we flagged him on this podcast before he joined. Uh, this was while he was at Lyon. And he he just looked like a really, really unique centre-mid. You know, very, very press-resistant. Very progressive. Attack-minded. Physical. Uh, and I think he faced Manchester City once or twice in the Champions League and he just couldn't get near him. I think every time Leo escaped... Uh, L- Every time Leon escaped from City's press, it probably originated through him, and then they would they would counter attack on the back of one of his passes. So mm. when Spurs got him in, I thought they've they've absolutely nailed the replacements of of Moussa Dembélé because I think he's in the similar mould in terms of just so difficult to knock off the ball, good dribble, uh, physical, you know, all that stuff. But I, I have no idea why it hasn't really work so far. I'm not sure what he's like as a as a character or, or what or if or if he's you know, maybe he needs to watch a little bit more of Spurs in terms of what he's like without the ball. I remember a, a specific piece on Monday night football on on, on him I think he, he come off a of half time, José Mourinho at safe more. And I think character just kinda of highlights how he he was just he had a bad he had a terrible half basically. Um but looking at I suppose what he can be His talent, if you're getting the most out of him, you've got a serious player on your hands, but as I said, I've got no idea why he he hasn't really worked. I do think maybe you could throw in there that, given his nature, I think he is a bit of a risk taker on the ball. And I think in English football, if you do lose the ball or whatever, deep in your own third type thing, you are massively punished, I think,
0: in England. Um, do, you want, do you ever think they could have been more successful at Liverpool, where there was a little bit more settled, a little bit more of an established regime in place, um, no stronger profiles around them, uh, where he could be a little bit more risk taking and, and maybe not being as uh, expensive in terms of if things went wrong.
1: Yeah, I do, but I also don't think he'd get in Liverpool starting eleven. I don't think he's. Um... I think he's great. I just think he's a brilliant player. I think he's, his highlight league was amazing, for example. But I think I just don't think he'd get in get in Liverpool's team. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure what what tactical surroundings he needs to to thrive. To be honest, I think Nuno used him as a number ten and things like that on the back of his skill set. But I think he, still, he thrived most at Leon Leon when he was in the midfield two, midfield two, and that I think the fellow next to him was maybe a bit more you know, stay in his position offer a bit more defensive stability and and, and Don Belie was kind of allowed to just I suppose do his thing in a way. Yeah. Um but I think the higher that you climb in the football pyramid almost the the less the less you're encouraged to just do your thing and you, you've got to do a bit more or something. But what what are your thoughts on him um, on Harry Kane this season?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah I thought we might talk about that one. Very interesting uh because obviously one goal, one assist isn't it? Uh I think he's obviously underperforming against his next year, yeah, somewhere around, I haven't got the numbers to hand, but somewhere around three, maybe. Yeah, let's have a, bring it up really quick. Um, yeah, I think he's around 3.5, something like that. So he's, he, he probably should have a few more goals to his name. Um, but, to be honest, Josh, could, let's be honest, how everything played out in the summer, we probably could have predicted that there was going to be a little bit of an issue this year because, he clearly wanted to leave you know he's he's no longer an up and coming talent he's in his prime years he spent a lot of his career at a side who you know don't win trophies in tottenham and again you know don't mean that disrespectfully uh, i support a team who don't win trophies as well so you know <laughs> it's uh, definitely not me poking fun at them but it, the, the reality is they're not they're not a uh, city not liverpool um you know chelsea anything mm-hmm. like that that they're just below that bracket, so we obviously wanted to go and be more successful. Didn't get that move. Looks difficult how that move now materializes. So he's ended up staying in the same at the same club. Who, you know, for, even though Tottenham are a big club, they always seem to be never too far away from turmoil. You know, they always seem to have these kind of, uh, and it hasn't helped by the fact that the managers they brought in Mourinho, then um, Nuno. Now they got Conte. Conte might do well, but you know turmoil is eventually going to follow with him, like it always does. Um, I think all this is just saying into a little bit of a cocktail of not giving them the best environment to to start being the best version of Harry Kane again. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm not too surprised myself to be honest. If you look at his numbers so far this season, he, in terms of shooting, which is I suppose a huge element of Harry Kane's game, he's averaging the fewest shots payer ninety than in any of his previous seasons. Uh last season under Mourinho he was averaging three point nine per ninety. This season it's down to two point six. Um his previous low was two point seven as an average. So you could argue he's not getting he's not getting the chances at the minute. Uh I'm not I'm not exactly sure how much that's changed since Conte. You know, obviously some of those numbers will be Based on Nuno's time in charge, but I do still think he, obviously there's a top player in there and things like that. But he's he, he looks, I think he looks really slow. Mm. <laughs> I think he looks very, just I don't know. He doesn't look full of vitality like that. He doesn't look hungry or. Um, you,
0: do you think that could be a psychological thing or a physical thing?
1: I, I honestly don't know. Maybe it's just yeah, he's playing six with me or whatever. But I maybe if I was to watch. Spurs players uh, as a, a you know a gang of silhouettes, a gang, a gang of shadows. Maybe I wouldn't pick up on that too much, but maybe because it's Kane's playing playing games with me on it. But I don't know. It's just something, something that doesn't look right attached to his game. And then if you look at his numbers, they do they have suffered a little bit of a drop this season. Mm. But I do think it's mad how uh, how Spurs have you know the direction have kind of went since being like level level maybe with Liverpool a few years back. I think it's kind of the two clubs have kind of shown how and how not to kind of finish off an evolution, if you like. Um, can
0: you see a little bit of, uh, it? Been the conversations we had before the Derby show, can you see a little bit of Everton in Tottenham? Maybe, you know, looking uh, for the shortcut thing and looking to quickly just uh, be successful and not maybe really building something. A little bit, but I do think Spurs did build something didn't get
1: any silverware from it. And I think kind of like the remnants of what they built still there. Son's still there. Kane's still there. Lloris is still kind of hanging on. Um, and I do think Levy is is kind of just thinking I, I need to get a trophy for these boys. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's yeah. why he's appointed Mourinho. Proven winners. Uh, apparently say the next proven winner, you could probably get in. So I think I think Daniel Levy just kind of trying to conclude Kane's time at the club with trophies yeah. in any way he possibly can, and I think as a result, Spurs have kind of went down a bit of a short term route in the past couple of seasons. But one thing I would I have worried about with Spurs that seems to have been the case is over the years he started getting in backups like Ben Davis was a backup for Danny Rose, I think, mm. and he got Keenan Siphiwe in as a backup for Kyle Walker. And over time, rather than those players remaining as backups or whatever, they have become starters. And just gradually, the quality level of space has just dropped a little bit. It's like, for example, Liverpool getting Simakas in, or to <laughs> Um to replace Robertson. But, sorry to, to back up Robertson, but then when Robertson leaves, Simakas becomes the starter. You, if, you, if you do a bit of that over the course of the full eleven. You just gradually,
0: you know, lesser in quality something. Yeah. Arsenal have done that, haven't they? Really, they've just kind of they've, they've dropped a few levels due to the recruitment that they've made over the last few years. Um, and just just on the point I was trying to make about the short term thing, I agree with you in terms of they did the build, but I do wonder how much that was the success of what Pochettino done as opposed to maybe you know what the club done. Um. I feel like they might have just got a little bit lucky with them because, uh, obviously, they had Harry Redknapp for a few years. Then you bring villas Boas in, who, you know, kind of didn't really do it at Chelsea. Um, he goes Tim Sherwood. You could tell you that, again, was quite short-term. Then you go for Poch from Southampton, which, you know, I know he turned out to be a very good coach, but at Southampton... You know, he was probably on par with like maybe Wakooman had done there. You still didn't know if he was going to be that great. It was almost like could be unfair to say this, but maybe flavor of the month type thing. Um, he comes in, obviously, to prove to be great. Then they go Mourinho, short term You touched on it to maybe try and win something doesn't happen. They then have to kind of settle for new. and now they gone for Conte. I think if you just compare it to, to compare it to say Liverpool. You know, I think their the approaches is definitely different and they don't look that great, even being frank.
1: Yeah, no, they, they do look very um, all over the place, I suppose, when you put it like that in terms of the direction that they want to take over the past few years. So obviously, Potts gives them a bit of stability and things like that, but mm-hmm. they do seem a little bit a little bit lost. But I do think when it comes to getting Conte in, I mean, it's probably the best coach they could have appointed. But, but I, I rate Conte very, very highly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think it's going to be interesting to see how Liverpool get on against him because he does have set patterns of play that Liverpool can can identify Mm. um, and hopefully prevent. But his teams are are always notoriously good at progressing to the thirds of the pitch. And if Liverpool are going to try and dominate the game, it's going to be quite difficult to prevent that. So, um, what's your verdict on this one?
0: Uh, I don't know. There's there's always this thing now where... Reverted back into that thing of always back in Liverpool. You know, it feels very kind of 2019 20, 20 vibes. Uh, but I'll say this game's going to be a little bit tougher. Um, maybe a 1 1 or 2 1. Because with the Liverpool show, I'll go the 2 1 Liverpool. But it wouldn't surprise me if this one just threw a little bit of spine in the works and it was ended up being a, a draw.
1: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I totally agree with you. I would lean towards 1 1 or 2 1. Um, I do think Liverpool's attack might have too much in the end and might just get them over the line. But I would be interested to see just how Spurs play, how, how attacking Conte is and things like that. Mm. But it's not a game I'm uh, looking at as a given. I don't think... I think it could be well, one that Liverpool very easily drop points in. I'm not sure, but it's going to be a tricky game, that one, yeah.
0: Yeah, because the another thing is they might have fresher legs. They've played a lot less football, haven't they, over the past... Mm. Uh, over yeah. the few weeks, where there's at least two Premier League games they've missed, I don't know if they missed a game in Europe as well. Uh, I think they did, didn't they? Against Rennes was it? Yeah, no, uh, it wasn't. Yeah. So they've played three games less than what Liverpool probably have over the past two weeks, and you just wonder. Uh, I mean, Liverpool always seems to actually do better when they have these back-to-back games. They seem to hit a bit of momentum, but uh, you know, would that will that be a factor as well? It's hard to say. Well, again, it plays in with the the possibility, I suppose,
1: of Salah getting rested or or something like that, considering Liverpool have played a lot more than Spurs. Liverpool have to play Spurs on Sunday away from home. You just never know, really. But, uh, yeah, we'll round up there, mate. So, uh, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you, mate. Cheers, everyone.
1: And we'll be back next week um, as we approach the busy Christmas period and Christmas Day and things like that. We'll do our best to keep podcasts going, even though we've both got a bit of time off. Um, well yeah we'll see you then thanks for tuning
0: you've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel